welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. After a long summer, the guys have had their summer breaks and are feeling refreshed and revitalised, ready for a new season, which started on Saturday with the pre-season friendly wins over Plymouth Parkway and Saltash United. Joining me to look back on those games are our Argyle experts, Chris Arrington and Baron Cross. Hi guys. Morning, Stu. Hi, Stu. All well? Yeah, very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. How are you guys? Enjoying yeah. the, uh, being back at stadiums again? First first day back in the office today, so it's yeah. it's always uh, a fun experience, that one, isn't it? But uh, Yeah, good to see the action on Saturday, though. That's right. Well, Baron, we'll start with you, because uh, we'll start with the first game down at Parkway, and uh, you went along to that one. Yep. Good game? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was actually what I was most surprised with was, was the quality that Plymouth Parkway um, showed, especially in the first 25 minutes to half an hour. I think most people I spoke to after the game would have agreed that they could have been 2 or 3 nil up. Uh, I think yeah, you go through all the, ob- the obvious statements, it's pre-season, it's Argyle's first game, they're still catching up on fitness. They would have been tired from what's been a gruelling week of training by the sounds of it. I mean, Adams really has been putting them through the ringer. So they wouldn't have been at their best, obviously. But Parkway raising their game against the, the, the professional side, or the number one side in Devon and Cornwall. And they did look very, very good. And there's obviously a few issues to iron out for Argyle, but it's better to obviously iron that now than, than away at Peterborough United in a month's time. So, yeah, I think it was a pretty solid game. When Argyle came more into it, I think Graham Carey is, is behind a few days on pre-season training, according to Adams, but he looked pretty good to me. I mean, as I said in... Uh, in the match report on Saturday, normal service regimed. I mean, he, he when he was given the time and space, he really exploited it, and um, two pretty solid goals as well. Um, but yeah, lots lots to lots to think about and, and soak up in the, in the days afterwards. I think um, it's just nice to see them in the new kit, get them out on the pitch, seeing them kicking footballs around again. And the second goal, Graham himself said it was a, a bit of a fluke. It was, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I was sat in the, the Belido stand, which is um, the, the opposite side of the dugouts at Belido Park. And it was in such an extreme part of the corner, I didn't actually see um, where Graham hit it from. So it was only afterwards, and looking at videos on Twitter, that it became clear that Carey laid it off to Sarsavik, who then laid it back to him, sort of on the angle, if you like, about 30 yards out. And he, he said he was just aiming for the back post for, for Ryan Taylor, I think, and it just coasted all the way in. And I think... Uh, Anthony sort of summed it up quite well after the match by saying everything Graham Carey touches turns to goal. I mean, he, he's got that that quality about him, hasn't he? You know, he's, he, he's, he can do no wrong. Well, that's why I got wanted to keep him. Yeah, course, I think that's absolutely it? right. Tim quite clear quickly why sort of they wanted to keep him on. Yeah, uh, with loads of questions sent in this week, so thanks to all of the uh, listeners that have taken the time out to send us a question. Uh, Dominic Walker is asking, who caught your eye? Is there anyone in particular? Yeah, that apart from Carey, I, I was quite impressed with Lionel Ainsworth. Very, very quick, very alert. Um, he's a bit of a talker as well I think at 29 he's one of the actually more experienced heads in the squad now so it was good to see him talking despite the fact he's fairly new to everybody he was quite confident to make himself available at all opportunities he was talking to teammates through the match and like I say his pace could be a real weapon uh, Sean McCoy Baron, what was your first impressions of Aaron, uh, Aaron Taylor Sinclair I think having been out injured for so long he looked short of match practice but in the second half he came into the game more I was impressed and think he's a confidence player that needs to be loved and appreciated. Is that a fair point? Yeah, thanks for the question, Sean. Um, I think I think I probably agree with that. I think Aaron Taylor Sinclair. I mean, he, he got a bit of bad press from from the fans at Doncaster. Um, he's obviously looking to make a new start for himself. Clearly, Derek Adams likes him from from his time in Scotland. And he, he was pretty solid. I mean, you take everything with a pinch of salt because of the opposition, but he looked pretty good to me. I mean, he, he kept offering a good option for Sonny Bradley out on that left hand side wasn't afraid to get forward and overlap with Greg Wilde 
he was quite talkative as well. Um, and he, he hit a hell of a shot in the second half. Um, the ball came over from the right-hand side and, and Taylor Sinclair was arriving late in the edge of the box and he really got his got his left peg behind it. It was right on the laces and he hit it with some, some power. It went over, but I, I think yeah, I think he looks solid. I mean, it's early days, but um, he certainly looks a solid understudy for, for Gary Sawyer based on Saturday. Interesting to see as well that Anthony Sarkovic was the uh, the captain yes. at Parkway on Saturday. Tom Clark's asking, do you think giving the armband to Sarkovic on Saturday was clever management? Our goal seemed to be developing a team of captains with McCormick, Fox, Kerry, Sawyer, Bradley and Edwards. They, they've all demonstrated leadership qualities before. Yeah, I, th- I think it's an interesting decision that, that Derek Adams made. I think we've, we've established by now that Derek Adams doesn't do things by accident. You know, He thinks his decisions through to the nth degree. He clearly felt that for reasons we don't know yet, that given that Sarsavik, the, the captaincy was the, was the right decision. I think you've got Gary Miller, Sonny Bradley and Graham Carey in that side, arguably more senior, more established people that could have taken the armband for that match. And I think it was a bit of a surprise, but perhaps Adams wanted to see how Anthony would respond to that. Uh, and I think what I took from it was that perhaps Sarsavik is actually more important to Adams than I thought. I mean, when, when you look at the players he's brought in, when you look at the pecking order from last season and where there's competition for places, you thought that Sarsvich made one of those that's on the periphery and, and could easily have sort of been moved in and out of the side. But he played deep again alongside Cameron Sangster, who was also very impressive. Um, Sarsvich played in that position. He played alongside David Fox uh, last season. So he could well be quite an important player for Adams this season if he's given him that kind of seniority on Saturday. I think it's, it's a good sign for Sarsvich, definitely. Yeah. Chris, we haven't forgotten you. <laughs> you, uh, you obviously were at the game at Saltash yes. later on in the afternoon. How did you find that one? Um, it was a good afternoon. Good crowd. Pitch was in good nick. I thought Saltash gave a, a good account of themselves. I spoke to their manager, Matt Cusack, after the game. And he felt, and I would agree with him, that for 55 minutes, 60 minutes, they gave Argyle a really good workout. They did run out of steam a little bit. and They made a few substitutions, brought on a few of uh, their second team players to give them some experience and and in the last half an hour it was um, it was a bit more one sided but but for that first hour it was a good uh, it was a good workout um, with the usual caveats that that Baron made as well about you know first pre season game first run out um, all those sort of things you don't want to judge people too much on on things that you see in in one game but um, I, I thought it was a decent game good crowd everyone enjoyed themselves sort Ash would have made some some good money out of the day as, as Parkway will have done and I just think it's important for Argyle to get out into the local community play against the local teams um, it's a real good money spinner for both Parkway and Sawsash and, and that's a good thing so I think by the sounds of what happened at Parkway and, and certainly what I saw at Sawsash it was a good day all round for Argyle, Parkway and Sawsash Yeah, just going back to Tom's question about the captaincy was hmm. um, any interesting things to spot there or was Luke McCormick the captain? No, Luke, Luke McCormick was the captain and, you know, captaincy, as, as Tom rightly said, there's a lot of players that have been captains before. Um, you know, Baron is right that, that Derek Adams doesn't do things for, on a whim or on a, um, you know, for, for no real reason. Anthony Sarsovic, you remember, you know, came in in January, you know, this is his first full pre-season with Derek Adams. Um, he looks early days but looks as though he might turn into being a midfield holding player mm. maybe give him a bit of craft and guile in there because I did wonder if Graham Carey left in the summer but Vasasovic was already a ready-made replacement that you could just slot into the number 10 role um, 
but you would imagine that Carey's going to continue playing in the number 10 role. So where does Sarsovic fit into a 4-2-3-1 formation? I mean, it was interesting um, at Sortash, and I haven't asked Baron this, but at Sortash they play 4-2-3-1, you know, and I suspect that's what they'll do again this season. Did they, did they do something similar? Yes, yeah, Hull? Sangster and, and Sarsovic play deep, and they have the So I, I think the early, early days, but it looks like they're going to play 4-2-3-1. So Sarsovic might be in the, the midfield holding role. So... Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he fits in. But again, a, a good little pat on the back for him. Maybe he's had a good start to pre-season. You know, and Derek Adams just wants to just give him a, a pat on the back and say, look, this is a, a bit of uh, you know praise for, for how you've started pre-season. Yeah, obviously Derek's made a lot of uh, signings already. I think he's up to eight, so probably only two or three more likely to come in. We've had lots of questions about transfers. We'll start off with Richard Sloman, who's uh, asking, how well do you rate Argyle's transfer business over the summer, including Carey? Personally, he thinks that if Argyle can add a lively, pacey striker, they'll be ev- they'll have every position covered, and they're looking very good. Would you agree with that, Chris? I, I, I would. Richard's um, regularly provides us questions. Thank you, Richard. And yeah, I, I do agree. I think Argyle's best signing this summer has been Graham Carey, but that's not a difficult one to say, is it? You know, he's, he was their key player, talisman, and um, you know, definitely their best signing. Um, and I agree about the lively, pacey striker. You've got Ryan Taylor, Nathan Blissett. Um, I asked Derek Adams about this subject on uh, Saturday after the Saltash game and he, he obviously mentioned Alex Fletcher as well who's a first year professional but a striker so he basically said I've got three strikers and I want one more um, Taylor and Blissett are the, the target men the tall powerful players you would have thought that if he wants to bring in one more striker it would be somebody that could you know, play off them or give you a, an option in the last 20 minutes to go when you're looking to stretch on opposition defence you would have thought that somebody lively and pacey, as Richard said, is more likely than another six foot two target man. But you know, we'll see. Well, it's interesting you say that because I personally think you know, with the vacant number nine shirt still waiting to be filled as well, mm. I don't know what you guys think, but I just get this impression that Derek's looking for one big, big signing to come in, and it will be that centre forward. And I still think it is going to be a sort of target man type player. I'm not, I'm not convinced you'll get a full season out of Taylor and Blissett. So. Um, the, I know where you're coming from. Um, you, if you have another big target man playing the four-two-three-one, yeah, that's fine. But if you want to change tactics, if you want a plan B, mm. you know, I suppose you could you could bring a Greg Wilde inside. You could play, you know, one or two other players uh, alongside the main central strikers. We'll we'll, we'll see. I, I, me personally, I'd try and find somebody that could be a little bit. Yeah. Pace and well, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually brings in two more strikers. I think one more target man and maybe a quick nippy striker. I don't know what you think, Baron. Yeah, I think um, I think at times at times last season you, you looked at the way they were playing. You thought it needed a plan B, and you think that maybe David Willey was was the big plan to be that that, that second option mm-hmm. alongside a Garita. And yeah. as we know, it didn't quite work out with Good Willey. But I think I think they do need that plan B. And I think at League One, you get the impression you look at who was towards the the, the top end of the. The goal scoring charts in League One last season and short nippy strikers. I mean, I think pace is gonna is gonna burn this season in League One, and I think at the other end as well for Argyle. I think defensively they're really gonna have their, their hands sort of full with, with with these sort of pacey, quicker strikers. So we'll see. I mean, I I think I probably agree with Chris. I would say that if he is gonna bring one in, then it would be a small, pacey, more lively striker. If he if he were to bring in two, then maybe another target man. But don't don't overlook loans. No, he's relied, exactly. heavily, he's relied heavily on loans yeah. in his, his two years at Argyle. Um, 
who's to say there isn't a Premier League Championship 21-year-old 20, striker that's just on the radar and they're just going to... The Premier League club or the Championship club is just looking at them in pre-season and it might be mm. after the start of the season. I mean, yeah. Derek Adams was quite clear on Saturday. He said two more signings. He said, I've got two more in, in my budget. He's not going to bring in a third goalkeeper. Um, so we're looking at one striker and possibly one other. Um, but I think loans is definitely a possibility. Is definitely a possibility. Being in League One is going to make them a more attractive proposition yeah. for Premier League clubs. Absolutely, and, and no qualms about sending them down. And I think he's got a good reputation in the game now. That mm. when you loan a player to Derek Adams, they come back better, and have had experience and whatever. So, you know, the striker could be a loan. You know, we, yeah. we'll, we'll see. Uh, we've kind of answered the question there, sent in from uh, Simon Potton and uh, John Z, who who's asking what sort of striker mm. do we think Adams is going to go for? So. Uh, We'll move on to this question from Michael Eddy. Can Nathan Blissett step up this season? Looking at his performances last season, it was hard to judge because he didn't have a fair run of consistent games. There must be a reason why Derek has kept him on, but I can't help but think another very high-quality striker like John Akindi would really round off this squad beautifully. Oh, Akindi's a name that's been linked a lot, isn't he? <laughs> I think John Akindi would do more than round it off beautifully. John Akindi would, would, would change the game completely. I think. Yeah. Mm. I, I think that was unlikely, though. It's just not realistic. No, he signed a three-year contract in March, didn't he? So. A player of John Akindi's quality, age and goal-scoring record would command a seven-figure fee for me. Yeah. And, and our he guys would. Just, just don't... It's just not even on their radar. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, just, it's just not going to happen, but... He yeah, would fit that square. He would if you stuck him in that team oh, in a four-two-three-one. That that would be good. Yeah. But no, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think we have seen enough Blissett though, have we, to really to really form a proper opinion? I think it'd be unfair to judge him too too much. I think when he's come on, he's he's been fairly lively. Got an important goal at Wickham, didn't he, Chris? Mm. I think um, we'll see if he can step up. I mean, I think he's kept him on because he probably signed an eighteen-month contract in January. So I think he was always going to going to stay on whichever division Argyle were in. So. Again, he signed in January. Difficult for players sometimes to come in in January and get thrown straight into yeah. a, into a team, particularly when you've moved moved up a level. Um, you know, he's, again, this is a full pre-season. Derek Adams, as Baron has, has rightly said, works his players really hard. I bet Nathan Blissett's probably as fit as he's ever been mm. in his life. Um, he he will understand what Derek Adams wants from him, playing in a four-two-three-one role and being the lone striker. He was the lone striker at Saltash. You know, he'll know what's expected of him. Derek Adams obviously saw something in him that he believes he can work on and, and nurture. And we all know how good Derek Adams is at developing players and bringing the best out of them. Will he be a regular in, in a, for Argyle and League One this season? Sitting here right now, you'd think probably not. Mm. But strikers thrive on confidence. Who's to say that he doesn't get one or two goals, he gets his chance and he's up and running. He's got the physical attributes to do it. It's whether he, he can he can go into a League One side and, and make a regular uh, important contribution. Yeah, it's interesting as well with um, with Blissett. He was signed before Ryan Taylor, wasn't he, back in January? Yes. Um, yeah. Still not entirely convinced uh, Derek would have gone for Blissett had he known Taylor was available. But uh, Well, yeah, I mean, the, the two of them give him the big target man yeah. option. Um, you know, so... Yeah, the the striking the striking position is an interesting one, um, because Blissett and Taylor Taylor is is proven at League Two, not quite so much at League One. Um, so th- there is that question mark about how are Argyle going to fill that that role? I, I I can see the the various arguments you make. I mean, I've seen people say they need a twenty goal a season striker. One twenty goal season strikers cost you a lot of money. Mm. Even in League One, they'll cost you a lot of money. And so, you know, Argyle didn't have a 20-goal season striker last year and they finished as runners-up. 
Um, but they did have a 20 goal a season striker in Ruben Reed a couple of seasons before that, but didn't get promoted. Yeah. So a 20 goal a season striker does not guarantee promotion. And I think the way, if you look at what, what Argyle have got with, and you know, I'm going to forget people now, but you know the attacking players that they have now with Grant and Ainsworth and Jervis and Wild and Carey and Lemires and things like that, I don't think you, hopefully you won't need a 20 goal season striker because all of those players will be chipping in with goals. Mm. I, that's, I think, the, and it's a lot harder to stop six or seven players from scoring goals than it is one. Yeah, really. Well, uh, David Marks is asking, do you think Argyle have a better team now? What, what have you made of uh, the squad that Derek's put together, Baron? Oh, I think it's too early to tell, to be honest. I think I know David wants us all to sort of have the answers and sort of <laughs> give him a definitive answer, but it's just far too early. I mean, Last season's squad was very, very good. They finished runners-up. They could have won the league on the final day. So, I mean, unfortunately, David, it's just a bit too early for me to say anyway. No, I, I, say. I agree. Let's, there's one, we've seen one pre-season game each. Um, you know, let's let's get through pre-season. Let's get five or six games under the belts and then you'll get a, a better idea of how, how good or otherwise this team are compared to last year. Yeah, and one player who does seem to get a lot of uh, stick from the Green Army is perhaps Gary Miller. And uh, Freddie Harper-Davis is asking... How do Argyle solve the issue of right back for the coming season with doubts about Gary Miller, Gary Miller, and only having Oscar Threlkeld as well? I don't think Derek Adams has got doubts about Gary. No, Miller. Well, that, that to me seems like a, <laughs> an issue that's already resolved because um, uh, you've got Threlkeld and Miller. I yeah. don't see another right back coming in. No, Threlkeld. In our, I mean, based on last season alone, in my opinion, Threlkeld would be the first choice right back, and I think Gary Miller is more than capable of being a second choice right back at least one level. And if Frelkel doesn't get injured as a first choice, he would expect to play you know, upwards of 40 matches in the season. So if people do have concerns about Miller, it, who's to say Frelkel's going to miss a game? Yeah. Uh, one thing I would just say, and I don't imagine he'll be playing in the first team you know, at the start of the season, but Harry Hodges, 17-year-old, son of Kevin Hodges, Argyle legend, he played a right-back in the second half against Saltash. He's a, he's a right-back. He's an out-and-out right-back. Quite basic, got forward well. Against Saltash in the first pre-season game, so I'm not trying to build up expectations mm. or hopes or whatever, but he's a young right back in the Argyle youth system that could could develop into into a future yeah. best team player. And also with fullbacks, it's one of those sort of obviously it's an important position, but less so than a centre midfield, centre forward, or centre back. So bringing a youngster into that position is not quite as sort of you know not you, you yes. can get away with it more, can't you? Bringing a youngster in at fullback than you're not exposed. I can hear left backs and right backs around Plymouth though yelling at you, Stu, saying, Are you saying my position isn't yeah, important? Exactly. <laughs> I was trying to be careful how I, how I worded that. But, you know, Ben Parrington, of course, he was uh, key yeah. for the ranks and uh, was given a chance, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. So. Definitely, yeah. Uh, interesting one from Rob Beadle. Has Derek changed the size of the home park pitch this year? I think that's something he did last year, wasn't it, Chris? Mm-hmm. He, he, Reduce the size he, of the he pitch. It a bit. I don't so, think it's marked out yet. I mean, Barron was up at Home Park no, uh, recently. Out. The pitch looks pretty looks looks pretty good. Yeah. Lots of nice lush green grass on yeah. it. Um, uh, but I don't think it's marked out yet. We'll, we've obviously got the one pre-season game against Cardiff on Friday the twenty-first. So we'll see what the pitch looks like then. Yeah. But I, I would have thought it'd be similar to what it was last season. To be honest. Mm. Lee Williamson's asking, how well do you think Argyle would do in League One this season? Do you think they will ever get back to where they were in the Championship? Um, They're again, on the curve, aren't they, Chris? That's a biggie. Yeah, yeah. How, how well are they? You know, it's difficult to tell a week into pre-season and after a couple of games. Um, they look to have got a solid squad where you've got two players for pretty much every position. You know, perhaps the, the extra striker. 
Um, the good thing is that Derek Adams has been able to do nearly all of his business early so that they've got the whole of the pre-season to work as a squad, not only tactically, but just to get to know each other and build up that camaraderie and team spirit that you know what served them so well. They'll go off to Holland in a couple of weeks' time. That'll be a good way to... So it's not like you're going to be bringing in five or six players just before the start of the season or after the start of the season. So there's no reason why this squad shouldn't start the season well. They shouldn't be up to speed with each other. Um, do you think you'll ever get back to where they were in the Championship? Well, you know, the one division below the Championship now, so they're not a million miles away. I wouldn't expect them to go up this season. Um, you know, um, you, you will talk to different people at Argyle and they'll probably give you different answers, but I think a good, solid consolidation season in League One would be, be more than... Uh, would be more than adequate. I look back to the last time Argyle got promoted out of the fourth division was under Paul Sturrock's team in 0102. That team got 102 points when they won the league and then they finished eighth the following season. So, you know, if, if Argyle could be anything around eighth to twelfth, I think that would be sitting here right now. You know, you can play this back to me at the end of the season, Stu. But yeah. sitting here right now... You I don't think, make predictions. I think, well, I'm... I'm <laughs> I think if they finish you know, mid-table in League One yeah. next season, then I, I think that would be a be a good performance. Is that something that Derek Adams has got to deal with next year, is the expectation of oh, being yeah. an army? Obviously, they've had three years, pretty much, of success under mm. him and getting to two playoffs and then promotion last year. Next year is going to be slightly different, isn't I it? I think Derek's a master of managing expectation. I think he's done very well to, to pour cold water where it's needed and to, and to build things up to when, it, when it's necessary as well. And um, our colleague David Monday, um, he spoke to Derek uh, when we had our sort of little pre-season get-together when all the new players were introduced to us and uh, I think he asked Derek, you know, outright, what is your target? And I think the bottom line was we want to stay up. I think that Derek's quite keen to make that clear that the very first priority is to remain in League One next season. And we all know behind closed doors, he knows full well what he expects and what he thinks is realistic, but he's not going to reveal that to us too early. I mean... We go back to the mind games of last season. You know they um, they came off the back of the, the win at Doncaster, um, lost the following game at Chris. They lost, didn't they, after Doncaster? Yes. Uh, Accrington, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. And then obviously, then he said, you know, that's us out of the title race. And then you sort of, it all starts over again, doesn't it? So I think you're right, Stu. We think he, he, it's all about managing expectation because yeah. everybody's riding that crest of the wave at the moment. And when those first few defeats come, and they will come he's got to make sure he's sort of managing things and making sure people don't get too low or too high. Yeah. It's going to be a case of, you know, the old cliche of get to 50 points as quickly as possible. I think you're absolutely right, mate. And see where they go from there. Uh, Matthew Penny, uh, we kind of touched on this earlier. Derek Adams said he is planning to bring in two more players before the transfer window closes at the end of the month. Uh, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on loan players and what positions need to be strengthened. Uh, well, the loan signings have worked well for yeah. Derek Adams on the whole, haven't they? There's not been too many that he's brought in that haven't been uh, successful. So... Um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Ha- he, he he was quite clear. He said two more players in the budget. So I wouldn't be surprised if both were loans um, because he's had several loan players over. Well, if he can't get the number nine he wants, I, I think you're right. Yeah. I think we'll just get someone on loan. What positions need to be strengthened? We we all agree on the striker. It's just what type of striker. Mm. Um, I did wonder about would he bring in a third goalkeeper because he had three goalkeepers last season, but he was quite emphatic on Saturday. Know that. He's just going to have the two keepers and Michael Cooper, who's an apprentice goalkeeper, would be there as a third choice if, if needed sort of thing. Um, 
So I'm just wondering where else in the squad you'd look to strengthen the team. I, I would like a ball winner in there. Mm. I've not seen Jamie Nice play. I don't know what he's capable of. Mm. David Fox is in there for Guile. But yeah. I'm just not quite convinced that Sarsovic is an out-and-out ball winner. No. I'm not saying Sarsovic isn't going to start. But I mean, Songo can play in midfield. Yeah, well. but I think, I think he showed his limitations last mm. season. I, I wouldn't be confident going with him. I, just, I, I know I want, I want the world. But <laughs> I mean, I think you've got to be realistic. I mean, I just... In an ideal world, yes. I would like an experienced EFL campaigner, maybe in his mm. late 20s, possibly even early 30s, who just knows how to play the dark arts, if you like, knows how to win the ball back, knows how to sort of be in the referee's ear, just a bit of nous in the middle of the park and then lay the ball off to David Fox and the creative players. Just a bit, a bit solid in the middle of the park for me. Uh, I haven't seen Jamie Ness yet, no. but I, I do wonder if that's sort of what yeah. he's been brought in to Perhaps do. But, that's his role. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, I'm, um, I'm convinced it's two strikers, you know. Remain convinced, yeah. but uh, time will tell. There's a lot of fans wanting that to be the case. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sure they will. Uh, one final question then, Darren OP. How vital is it now the stadium and training facilities are upgraded in a big way? If Plymouth want to continue to grow, this needs to be done ASAP. I'm thinking the stadium needs to be 27,000 plus. Wow. <laughs> I mean, there's there's always talk about... Well, let, let's get the grandstand built, first of all. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's always talk about our goal need to have capacities of 25,000, 30,000. How often were they actually fill it? This is, this, is, this is the point. And it would be great to have a nice, big, all-seater stadium, but... You know, in in League One, if if Argyle are mid-table in League One next season, you know they wouldn't half fill a twenty-seven thousand seat stadium. I don't think. Um, I think the the key is to make sure that when you redevelop parts of the ground, if they do the grandstand, there is the scope to increase that as you go along. Um, I think you're better off having a, a twenty thousand capacity stadium and it being full and people wanting to go and feeling as though that's a, a good, vibrant atmosphere to to be in than to to go to a 30,000, 27,000-seat stadium and it'd be half full, if that, mm. doesn't create just, the best of atmosphere, does it? Just that's City fans. I mean, yeah, yeah. You look at their stadium on TV now, it's, it's barely half full. There's, 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 ways to, there's ways, always ways to redevelop and increase the capacity if you need. I, I don't think when Argyle are going into League One that's, um, that's necessarily the case. I, I agree with Darren that, you know, stadium and training facilities upgrades are important. You know, let's hope that the, the grandstand does get done, and and uh, and it is it, it must be an improvement on what there is there at the moment, regardless of your views about, you know, is it going to be big enough? Is it going to be good enough? Is it going to be modern enough? Is it, you know, it, it will improve what's there now. So that's a start. And the training facilities. That's I was talking to Luke McCormick after the game at Saltash, and and he was quite keen to make the point that it, the training ground is is as best the best it's ever been in his time at the club. Now he's been at Argyle for. 15, 16 years on and off sort of thing. And he's convinced that it's an important thing. One, because it's there where they do all their training and their practice work. It's their office, isn't it? It's their office. And he says it's really good. And two, it is a, when you go to the training ground, and, and Baron, you went there, didn't you? It, it does look fantastic. It, it, if you're trying to persuade players to sign for a football club, yeah, wages are really important. But having good facilities, having a good ground and a good training ground important and, and Argyle look as though they're really smart enough mm. Harpers Park and yeah. you know people say where's all the money gone from the Liverpool Cup ties and, and things like that and you know why aren't we spending this that and the other on players but you have to in, you have to invest in infrastructure sometimes you can't just ignore it all the yeah. time and the work that they've done at the training ground won't have been cheap but no. I think they'll get their benefit it, benefits from it in terms of the players able to train on a good surface and I do think it will help persuade players in the future to sign that it, 
it looks professional. It doesn't look like you're just strolling into a, a park pitch, which uh, a load of 14 and 15 year olds have been playing on the night before mm-hmm. and have left their Coke cans and crisp wrappers by the side of one of the goals. Yeah. I, th- I think Simon Hallett and Martin Starnes addressed this quite nicely at a fans forum that was at Launceston a few weeks ago. And- Simon Hallett is, is really, really keen to improve the fan experience, and that, that's his, his, his modus operandi is, is to really improve the fan experience. So, you let Derek Adams go on and stuff on the pitch, but for the board, they really want to make, like, like Chris says, a nice place to go on a Saturday, make it an event. It's not just a football match, it's everything that goes with it. You know, it's the quality of the stands, it's the quality of the stadium. And I think he said, you know, he would rather have a smaller stadium which is full to the rafters with a real great atmosphere. And something that, that's, that's that's too big, you know, they can't and they can't fill it. I mean, like Chris says, we're going to be looking at ten, eleven thousand average next yeah. season if they're if, if they're doing well. If they're doing well, so yeah. it's just it's, it's. I mean, if you get in the Premier League with yeah. all the money that we're swelling around, built increasing the capacity wouldn't be the difficult. You'd not one down one of the stands or something like that. Yeah. If, if you get to a state where you really need that capacity, there'd be more than enough money for you to to, to redevelop as as yeah. as is necessary. Indeed. Well, on that note, we'll uh, go back out into the office and see if our place of work has been upgraded. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys, for joining me this week. That's all we've got time for. Uh, we'll be back again next week for more of the same. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at Herald PAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.